I'm gonna tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. <laughs> came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. you all to know that I am grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. <laughs> we were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky. Whoever it was that you were in love with, it sounds more like her. Her? That's Do not bring me into this. <laughs> Knock it off! What? I never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He he picked a pretty set. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Toure. And Derek Wong. So this week we are talking about the new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We were actually originally supposed to do Bo is Afraid this week, but someone fell asleep last night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In my defense, Bo is Afraid is about 15 hours long. That's true. (laughs) My showing was at 10 o'clock on a work night. So the fact that I went at all is a testament to my uh, commitment (laughs) to sparkle motion. And after said and done, we are no longer doing... No, it's kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Getting voted off the island. So, yeah. And so instead of that, pushing forward with the next of the uh, Marvel movies. And the last of James Gunn's uh, Marvel properties, right? Yeah, it's the last one. Yeah. I was telling Derek, he said there was a showing near his place like five minutes away. So I was like, you know what? Why don't you go see it tonight? We'll talk about this. Because these Marvel movies are always more time sensitive when it comes to discussion and stuff. So... yeah. The discussion's always better when it's closer to the release. We'll do a double header next week. We'll do Guardians first and then Bo is Afraid. But yeah, yeah, this is the last one for James Gunn. Feels like the end of an era. He's leaving Marvel, heading up DC. The entire DC shebang, actually. So he's head honcho. He's the Kevin Feige of the DC universe. It seems like they needed one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, it seemed like... They were kind of stumbling towards some decent stuff, right? Yeah. 
maybe like critically versus commercially. I mean, everyone hated Black Adam. I had a decent enough time with it. I know, Derek, you hated it. <laughs> yeah. But we had a decent enough time at Black Adam. Just run-of-the-mill superhero stuff. I had a good time with that movie. It wasn't like... I'm not going to say it's good, but it was fun enough. If they were going to copy Marvel, but try to rush it, like getting someone like a... Having their equivalent of Feige might have been a good idea a while ago, right? Yeah. It's a funny coincidence that... The rumors, if they're true, one of the best DC EU movies is coming out pretty soon. I don't even know if that will continue on in James Gunn's DC world because the things with Heather Miller going on, but then also like James Gunn coming out and talking about the future slate of the DCU and like certain things are going to be Elseworlds, certain things are going to be within Earth Prime or whatever he calls it. So it does seem like some things are getting pushed aside. I mean, like, you know, Shazam 2 is one of those casualties. I'm thinking Aquaman will be one of those casualties. Blue Beetle will be one of those casualties. So Yeah, well, I mean, James Gunn's a huge supporter of the Flash movie. So I think probably a bad idea to springboard your whole DC Universe reboot off of a criminal <laughs> with Ezra Miller. I don't know. It tested well. If they had any balls at all, they would scrap the movie. But they're definitely not going to do that after spending so much money on it. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be good because they're standing by Ezra Miller way longer than I ever would have predicted. Yeah. Jonathan Majors got dropped in a hot second. Smells like yeah. racism to me. <laughs> I'm going to say maybe The Flash is just that good a movie. I mean, what other fucking explanation is there? Why the hell are they going to bat for this person? Well, I mean, it's screened at CinemaCon already. People were flipping out for this movie, so people were saying it's really, really good. I feel like I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Let's move on to today's movie. So, like you've, you guys have already said, this is the end of the trilogy, right? This is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We've seen these characters in both Volume 1 and Volume 2 both of the Infinity Wars, and also, if you've watched it, the holiday special, which actually does plays a part in this last chapter. So, yeah, me speaking personally, like, this is one of the franchises within Marvel that I really, really like. I love the first Guardians. I'm still pretty partial to Volume 2. I love what their roles in all those movies that I've mentioned previously. I liked the holiday special, too. I thought it was really fun and just this little side adventure with the Guardians. So I was definitely looking forward to this movie. Yeah, so James Gunn, I think he's maybe the one director in all of this, the entire MCU, has actually preserved his style and flavor throughout his movies, and really put in the effort to make something that felt like a James Gunn movie for all three of these, right? Yeah, I think there's two aspects to that, right? There's one is like they gave him that leash. And he took it and ran with it. But two is also his kind of comedic stylings are very in line with the Marvel House style anyway. What they're yes. trying to do, the quippiness, the funniness, the sort of, I don't know, Joss Whedon influence. You know, you can see how Gunn could work as a parallel stream to that. Maybe not a facsimile, mm -hmm. but you could see how he would slot nicely into that. So they don't have to cut him off at the legs too much. They just let him do his thing. It's like, oh, that's kind of what we wanted anyway. Well, at least his, like, toned-down sense of humor from, like, his trauma days, right? I mean, he has a very fucked-up sense of humor, but when you tone it down and you throw in those quips, and it's very, very Marvel House style, if a little, like, zanier and weirder than your typical Marvel movie, but it slots into that universe very nicely. 
these movies visually too, they're some of the best looking Marvel movies and volume three is no exception. Especially mm-hmm. since like the rest of the phase four or five stuff, I know I keep harping about the visuals of these movies. Even the ones that I liked, I've always had issues with how they looked. But man, you know, James Gunn and whoever does all the production design on these movies, they do a great job of, you know, breathing life into this corner of the Marvel cosmic corner, you know? Mm -hmm. But how were your screening experiences? I know, Amir, you came with me to see the premiere in New York City. Uh, You saw this yesterday, Derek? Yeah, so I got to see it with a crowd, a pretty decent-sized crowd, and Uh uh, everyone seemed to be enjoying it, like laughing. I mean, there's no hooting and hollering, but I definitely was getting a great vibe off the audience. Uh I myself was given off the same vibe. I want to say our screening was a little muted, though. Would you say, Amir? Yeah, I feel like it wasn't. I feel like something was off. People weren't super hype. Yeah. I don't know. I had a great time, though, especially back to back with Quantumania. It's night and day. And, like, it's similar, too. This is like the cosmic Marvel universe. And then you have the quantum realm in Ant Man Quantumania. But the quantum realm looked so shitty compared to what they do here. There's so much personality in this movie. It's just night and day. So I just. Wanted to switch gears a little bit and actually go through something that someone brought up online about trilogies in the MCU. What's the best trilogy in the MCU? Clarify for me, what trilogies are we talking about? Okay, so there are five. There's Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, and Iron Man. Those are the five. Wait, did you say Thor? No, Thor doesn't count. There's four movies. We don't count the Avengers either. I think... Just for comparison's sake, you know, keep it apples to apples, like single hero movies, I guess. Yeah. It's Cap, Guardians, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and who? Ant-Man. Ant-Man. And we're not doing Ant-Man. Thor. Ant-Man, yeah, of course. We're not doing Thor. Okay. Well, we could throw Thor in there I just think we to should like... Throw Thor in there. Yeah, Thor I think in there. we should. All right, fine. Throw Thor in there. Even though I know it's four movies, we, we should. Because... So that's six of them then, right? Yeah. Yes. I think number one's a pretty easy choice for me. I think it's Cap. Only because I think all three movies in the trilogy are strong. Like, I love all of them. And I think, honestly, think that all three are like somewhere in my top 10 MCU movies. So I think that alone, I, I don't think I could say that about any other trilogy mm-hmm. uh, or any other set of heroes. Next would probably either be Guardians or Iron Man. I think I would give it to Guardians only because I think Guardians 1, 2, and 3, I like generally all like. One of my favorites is like the first Guardian. I think, I mean, without, I guess, giving away spoilers, I think Guardians 3 is really good. And and 2 is, is fine. I like it. I know, like, there's a lot of critics out there of it, but I do like it. But versus, like, Iron Man 2, I think is one of probably the weaker MCU movies, even though I do like it. I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of fun. But also, Iron Man 1 and 3 are great, and I think really strong MCU movies. I mean, if you're thinking about the rest, I think Spider-Man would be next, then Thor, and then absolutely last would be Quantumania. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> would be Ant-Man. Wow, the Quantumania trilogy. <laughs> that was like a, a slip right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? That's a pretty yeah. good ranking, actually. Yeah, I would pretty say, close there, too. I would say I'm exactly with you there. I think Cap is just three bangers in a row. I love the first Avenger. I think maybe more than most. I think Joe Johnson did yeah, a good job say, with it. I'm calling it a banger is strong. Cap 1 is fun. It's good. It's got a lot of good elements. But banger is banger strong. Dude, I love Cap. Cap 1 is good. Cap 1 is good. Fine, fine, fine. I know a lot of people are lukewarm on Civil War. I actually like Civil War a lot. Yeah, I, just I think it does a lot of smart things. I think the direction is probably the 
weakest out of all the cat movies, but I think the story is good. The script is sharp. I like all the little swerves at the end. It's a good movie. It's not really a Captain America movie. It's more of like an Avengers slash Cap versus Iron Man movie, but it's still pretty good. I think uh, it's up there. And then I would agree that Guardians is probably a close second there. I think just all three are just solid. One is probably an all-timer. Two and three are just very, very good. James Gunn's flavor just being intact. The visuals are great. The story. Yeah, and then Iron Man 3 is only third because Iron Man 2 is kind of weak. Iron Man 3 is the best MCU movie, so get out of my face if you don't agree. Shane Black, I love Iron Man 3, top tier MCU. I actually like the Spider-Man movies a lot, but I think No Way Home is probably the weak link in that trilogy. I don't know if you guys would agree. The most recent one? Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's the ugliest. It's the ugliest. That's my complaint about No Way Home. Yeah. It's kind of aged like milk, too. Like, if you watch it at home, it's so fucking weird. Like, all the pauses in the movie that were manufactured for the applause in the theater just play like dead air in this movie. It's so weird. I don't think there's been any other movie that's quite like that where they include those beats to allow the audience to cheer and stuff before moving on. Like, you know, Andrew Garfield taking off his mask. And it doesn't help that the movie's so ugly. A lot of people hate Far From Home, but I like Far From Home. I think Jake Gyllenhaal's one of the better MCU villains, too. I think he's super fun as Mysterio. Yeah, I like him. He's good in Ambulance, and he's good in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's good in a lot of things. He's good in a lot of things. Ant-Man, dead last. Nothing really to say about that. I do like the first two movies. Quantumania is dog shit, so that's got to be where we put it, right? Because that last one, I mean, I guess recency bias is a factor here, but it's just so bad. I know a lot of people don't agree, but I think it's pretty much the worst MCU movie. I mean, we've already talked about this. It's either Thor the Dark World or Quantumania, right? And like that's why I think those two franchises for me are at the bottom Mm -hmm. of this list. Yeah. They're the two heroes that's literally have like the two worst movies in the MCU. So Yeah, it seems like this is really kind of a question of which duddy is worse. (laughs) Is the worst, right? It's not like the single best movie, right? Because then it would be like Iron Man for Jaff or I don't know what your favorite of these movies is, Derek, but probably still Cap for you, I guess. It's probably Cap 2 for me. Like Winter Soldier is still probably my favorite. I do fucking love Winter Soldier. Um, Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say I had an interesting take on this, but I think I kind of agree with your guys' list. Yeah. It's Cap, Guardians, Iron Man, Spider-Man, kind of weighed down by that third ugly movie. And then Ant-Man and Thor, weighed down by their respective bad movies. Even though those trilogies have some really fun ones. Actually, you know what? I might go Thor than Ant-Man. If only because... I agree, I agree. That third Thor movie is so good. Yeah. Ragnarok is so good that I think that definitely edges it over uh, Ant-Man. Four was kind of rough, and then two is obviously pretty bad, too. So it's got to go like a half step below Spider-Man, Iron Man, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess just to clarify, I think if we're doing trilogies only, it would be, for all of us, probably Cap, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and then Ant-Man. But if you throw in the Thor movies, it's probably Thor at five and then Ant-Man at six. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We were pretty mixed and 
leading towards positive on Love and Thunder. I know people hate yeah. Love and Thunder. Yeah, we were But apologists. we had fun with it. We're Love and Thunder apologists on this podcast. A lot of the criticisms of that movie still stand. I think the visuals are probably some of the worst, too. But there's like a camp-adjacent quality to it with the theatrical comedy that Taika Waititi likes to do that makes it, you know, a little more bearable. And the humor kind of hit for me more than it missed in that movie, too. It Mm -hmm. was okay. Yeah. I mean, I still stand by opinion that it's a really funny movie. I don't know how some people are going to react to, like, us putting Guardians over Iron Man. Like, I know Iron Man is probably one of the more, if not the most important character to the existence of the MCU. And, like, even the first Iron Man is a very pivotal movie. You know, it's the Mm -hmm. first. And, like, because of its success, that really paved the way for a lot of what the MCU is now. But Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of held the opinion that I think Guardians is probably the riskiest movie that Marvel has ever done. And they pulled it off. And yes, the most proof of concept that they've Mm -hmm. ever gotten to like succeed, right? A movie about a team of heroes that were not even B, they're like C. C C-list, C-tier, yeah, C-list, yeah. People have said like it's Mm -hmm. a talking tree that says three words, a talking raccoon. like It's a not talking tree. And a talking record. Huge hit for Marvel, right? And like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the story of the entire MCU, though, right? Like, the Avengers aren't anybody that people know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say so. But even more so with Guardians, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. But I mean, like, people know Cap and the Hulk, probably. Yeah. If before Avengers you talk to somebody about Thor, they'd think you're talking about Norse myth from high school, right? Yeah. The whole thing with the MCU is that they didn't have access to the top-tier superheroes in the Marvel Universe, right? Who are the X-Men and Spider-Man, right? Yeah, X-Men, Spider-Man. To be very explicit about it. Fantastic Four, you know? So they had to go with, I don't know, the B-team, you know, the Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor. And that was the whole thing with the MCU. Yeah, but even more so with the Guardians. So I think Guardians 1, 2, and 3 are all better than Iron Man 2. So I think that's what puts <laughs> yeah. it above. Yeah. And even then, I don't really hate Iron Man 2 that much. But I know. I still have a lot of yeah. fun with it. I'm an apologist, I think, for Iron Man 2. It's not that bad. It's okay. Yeah. What's holding Ant-Man back also is that I think there is a movie in each of the different franchises that is better than any of the Ant-Man movies, right? Right. True, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. So, like, yeah. it's automatically for me at the bottom. Right. Yeah. Do you think the best Iron Man is three, Derek? Or is it one for you? I still think it's one, but I understand where Jeff's coming from. I know there's, like, some three hate out there, and I think three is great MCU movie. I really, really love three, too. People who hate three are racists. I'm sorry. oh my god i hate the mandarin twist i want my goofy orientalist caricature back i want my mandarin to be mandarin uh, (laughs) yeah the mandarin you know yeah fuck off i think what they did with ben kingsley is great turn him into an actor and then save the real mandarin for one of the all-time best marvel villains shang chi yeah for sure i don't know but you also get the shane black flavor in there oh yeah Tony without a suit for most of the movie, some great sequences. I think at the end, the stuff with the suits blowing up is just kind of okay or whatever. But, like, there's great stuff in there. I really, really like Iron Man 3. I think it's top-tier Marvel, the best. I think what really sinks the Ant-Man trilogy is Quantumania. That movie fucking stinks. It's so bad. Like I said in our Quantumania episode, I think it's the worst one. I think it's worse than Thor The Dark World. Mm -hmm. So that automatically puts that 
series of movies at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And that dud was so recent. And they're not doing another one, right? So, like, it's just going to kind of always be there. Maybe recency bias against it. (laughs) It's also, they're probably not going to do another one, right? So, there's probably going to be the final word on Ant-Man, which just, that really does leave a bad taste in your mouth, right? Yeah. Well, now we have our rankings of the franchises. We're going to go into this, I guess. I mean, I really, really like this movie. Had a lot of fun. I think this is probably the best Marvel movie we've gotten since Endgame. I think this is better than I think everything in Phase Four. And I like movies like you know Black Panther two and Shang Chi. You know, I think that is no exception to what I said earlier. Like I really like this franchise, and I think this is a great cap to the series. And I'm sad to see these characters go, but I like that we kind of have a feeling of finality in a way and that if we never see these characters i mean i know i'm getting into post credit stinger um if we never see most of these characters again i think that's okay yeah i mean marvel's not really about giving us senses of finality with their movies i think endgame was maybe the last one of them to do that you know all the people moving on robert downey jr chris evans scarlett johansson you know they're not coming back or at least not yet you know, mm-hmm. and then now with Guardians of the Galaxy, you get a little bit of closure with this one, making it Rocket's story. And, you know, Rocket's always been probably James Gunn's favorite character out of all these. And it's finally nice to see his backstory get filled in. I liked it. It was good. I don't think it's as good as one. And I haven't seen two in quite a while. So I'm kind of having a hard time deciding between two and three. I'd probably say three better than two. Mm-hmm. But. That's not to say that two's bad either. So I, I think they're all a pretty solid set of movies. I think I like the musical like cues and all the diegetic music stuff he does in this the least out of all of them. But mm. I think... It's getting a little old in this one. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. long in the tooth. But this feels like, as we were saying earlier, this does feel like a return to form for Marvel. I think people are going to find this fun and funny. I think it's going to do gangbusters for them at the box office. So I really like this one. I think story-wise, it's probably the weakest out of the three. I have some issues with how they went about, you know, doing not Rocket's story, but everything around it, I think, doesn't feel quite as urgent as the Rocket stuff in this, you know, the present-day mm. stuff. But the degree of care that they put into this movie with, like I said, the production design, the visual effects, the cinematography, the performances... It's just on another level from all these other Marvel movies that we've gotten recently. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just hope it's not like the last of a dying breed where, you know, everything's just subsumed into the Marvel machine. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like that might be the case because this is James Gunn's last movie and feels like, like I said, the end of an era. So I like this one a lot. Should we give a, like a really brief synopsis? So my brief synopsis of the plot is I hope they cut Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely their checks because this is uh, We Three the movie. What the fuck was that about? It was very We Three-esque. So I guess it's the Rocket Raccoon movie. The movie is like intercut between the present day and Rocket's past. So Peter Quill is, I guess, mourning the loss of Gamora. And he's kind of an alcoholic, drunken stupor on nowhere where I guess become the team's headquarters. And they're attacked by Adam Warlock, who is a minion of the High Evolutionary, who's been running a company that does genetic experimentation. He's been creating all kinds of different species in order to try to create the perfect species and use that perfect species to populate like a new paradise. But then he 
kind of ruthlessly culls all of the species and individuals that don't live up to his standards. So Rocket is one of his old experiments, Mm -hmm. who was preternaturally successful. We find out later that Rocket's the only one that really has original, creative, intelligent thought. And so the high of the tree is sending his henchmen to get him back. Yeah, so his henchmen are basically the sovereign, right? Yes. Aisha from Volume 2, played Mm -hmm. by... Elizabeth Debicki, who they actually let be tall in this movie, right? They actually let her be <laughs> yeah. tall because uh, the high evolutionary has to stand on like a little apple box yeah, to reach her, which is a fucking funny. great gag. And then her son, Adam, played by Will Poulter. So they're basically the high evolutionary's goons. And the beginning of this movie, they send Adam to retrieve Rocket. And then Rocket is seriously injured. Basically, this movie's like getting a MacGuffin to fix a MacGuffin to save Rocket, right? Mm-hmm. Because they can't get the med pack to work on him because he has all this experimental machinery in him, like the cyborg machinery in him. So they have to go to the High Evolutionary's company, Orgo Corp, to get the download of the schematics or the information that makes Rocket tick to like allow the med pack to work on him and Mm -hmm. basically that's what the guardians have to do they're trying to rescue rocket so rocket's basically out of commission for the whole movie except for like the flashbacks he's yeah like in a coma so the flashbacks are where the we three stuff comes in yeah um it shows the high evolutionaries experiments on animals and sort of uplifting them and turning them into cyborgs so rocket makes friends with a bunch of the other animals that are experimented on and in the end, the High Evolutionary uh, decides that Rocket's, I don't know, batch of experiments is not good enough. And he kills them all except for Rocket, who mauls the High Evolutionary's face and then is able to escape it in a ship. So I want to say that this is one of the best villains we've gotten in a while. I think uh, Chuck Woody Awuji does great job as the High Evolutionary. And, you know, I think Marvel has this thing where they try to make every villain this layered, sympathetic character but here they just let him be like the biggest piece of shit in the universe he's (laughs) so fucking nasty and awful and i actually love that they try not to give him too many layers he's just a giant piece of shit and i really appreciated that and the actor chukwudi uji is really good at it he's really chewing up the scenery as this power mad Basically eugenicist. He's fucking nasty. <laughs> I really liked his performance in this. I don't know what you guys thought. No, I agree. I, I think he's good. Pretty good villain. I like the stakes were just like they have to save their friend. They're not really trying to save the universe or the galaxy yeah. or whatever. It's really just like they're trying to save their friend. Kind of a little heist movie and you've got to mess up the villain at the end. But it's a smaller, more personal plot. I did like that. Intimate stakes. I liked it. Yeah. And I'd like to add to, I think, both of your points is that this villain isn't trying to destroy the world right he's not like creating a new world to like raise people to destroy the universe right he just wants to create what you know this planet called counter earth of perfect beings it just happens that he wants rocket and he wants rocket's brain to kind of like perfect the beings of this world of course the guardians are not going to let that happen but it's like you guys say this is very low stakes it's not like thanos it's not like uh, ego from the second movie that wants to like mm. kill everybody you know what i mean or it's not like ronin who wants to use the power stone to kill everybody you know what i mean like this right. is perfect this is a great way to like end their story it's very personal for these characters mm-hmm. and like nobody else right and i think that was the right choice for the villain and the story yeah i will say that 
I think one of my biggest critiques for this movie, I feel like we don't need the character of Gamora anymore. I think that James Gunn didn't really have a solid enough idea for this character to really be needed in this movie anymore. I think he was a little annoyed that they killed her off in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And they even hang a lampshade on it in this movie in like the elevator sequence where you know they go through like the whole thing where it's like, oh, well, I fell in love with this girl, and then she died, and then she came back from a different timeline, but she came back a total dick or whatever. Yeah, so it seemed yeah. like he was kind of throwing a lampshade on the whole thing that he had to navigate around. I kind of like that they didn't get back together. I thought no, that yeah, was good. Yeah. But I think a lot of the Guardians are kind of sidelined here. I think Groot doesn't have much to do. Mm-hmm. Everything just surrounding Rocket, everything around Rocket is just a little undercooked and lacks the urgency that the main storyline is supposed to have. Despite, you know, the high evolutionary being a great villain. Mm -hmm. It's just a big MacGuffin chase. A lot of the stuff is good, though. I think, like, the Orgo Corp heist is really good. Yeah, that's fun. Fun designs. Great, great setting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really cool. It's like this giant, fleshy space station and you know like the production design is great they pay attention to everything like the little organic modules and nodes that they had to like mess with to navigate the base it's really really cool and they got like the colorful 2001 style spacesuits everything's just so colorful and like well put together in this movie visually really stands out from all the other Marvel stuff we've gotten in the last couple of years. Muddy, ugly-looking stuff they've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great set piece. I mean, we got... I mean, I guess James Gunn puts, like, all of his friends in, like, all of his movies. He always seems to get, what, Nathan Fillion in. He always uh-huh. seems to get Michael Rooker in. I know, like, in the very first Guardians, you know, we had a little bit of uh, Nathan Fillion, and I actually don't remember how he was in the second one, but, like, I mean, he gets a pretty fun role in this one, being this, like, head of security at uh, yeah, Orgo yeah. Corp, and I like the bit about, like, I got one of those guys, too, right? The idiot of his group. Yeah. Mm, I thought funny. that was a pretty funny bit. People were criticizing him of, like, oh, you're always putting your wife in your movies. He puts all his friends in his movies. That's fine. Yeah. Other directors do it, too. I don't know. It seems a little sexist to me, because, like, other directors do that shit all the time. Just because Jennifer Holland is his wife, you're making a big stink about it? Who cares? And yeah. she's a pretty good actress, too. I mean, she's great in The Suicide Squad. She's good in Peacemaker. And mm-hmm. she's like the little bit part with the administrator here, where she plays yeah. like the security employee on Orgocorp, right? Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of people that he's worked with before, besides just the Guardian cast, right? Yeah. Chuck Woody Uji, like he from was, Peacemaker. He was awesome Peacemaker. Uh-huh. Daniela Melchior. Yeah. Yeah. Like I already mentioned Nathan Fillion. So, like, I don't know why people would be harking on that, but I really appreciate it. We just get right into it, right? Like Adam Orlock just comes busting in and like we get this fast paced action scene and like we're not really given much context right away, but we know it's clear like, you know, he's trying to go after Rocket. I like that it just gets going. And I thought it was a pretty fun set piece on Nowhere. I gotta say Adam Warlock is pretty undercooked in this movie. Doesn't do really do yes. anything. I was reading yeah. something about two when originally he was supposed to be in two. And they just didn't have the room. And it seems like they had something cool to do with him. And it seems like they weren't able to do that because he really does nothing here. Yeah. And part of my issue with this movie is Nathan Fillion got to be fun, but Sylvester Stallone didn't do a ton. Elizabeth Debicki didn't get to do mm-hmm. much. Will Poulter didn't get to do much. A lot of 
fun people in this movie who I was excited to see. Yeah, they're like heavy hitters too, right? They're all good actors. Marvel does this all the and time. They just I think get nothing out of them. movies. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's pay a billion dollars to this cameo to this great actor and then have them like, I don't know, talk about Glub Shitto or something. It's like, it just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I was excited for Elizabeth Debicki. I was excited for Will Poulter. And they're just kind of nothings. I think Adam Warlock's kind of like a double whammy because you got Will Poulter, who's quite good. And then Adam Warlock's like a huge deal. But he's a big yeah, yeah, he's comics like character. He's like nothing like his namesake in the comics or like barely touching upon any of the stuff that makes him great in the comics. Especially because he plays a big part in the Infinity Saga in the comics, right? So like the fact that that's over, it's like, We've already flown over the territory that you would kind of be really crucial in. So it's like, then how do you use him now? I think some of his bits were funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he basically plays a giant baby. He's a big baby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of funny. But compared to like what he could have been, his comic counterpart, it was basically a nothing role for Will Poulter here. Yeah, nothing role for a great actor. And then like, I don't know, because I just saw the Creed movies again, thinking about what Sylvester Stallone is able to do, and then just having him do nothing. Just be like, hey, Ravager, you know? Yeah, it's like, oh, (laughs) come on, man. I don't know, I'm thinking about, like, how fun Elizabeth Debicki was in The Man from Uncle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Like, how great a supervillain would she have been if she'd gotten something to chew on, you know? She got more to do in uh, Volume 2 in her introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little disappointed that they had all this talent. I don't know, didn't have the room for them, I guess. There's a lot here. I mean, I feel like there was a setup for like Craglin, you know, after volume two to become a more crucial member of this team. But then he even gets sidelined for most in the movie where he's just on nowhere. Yeah. And his only real payoff is that he gets to use the arrow effectively at the end of the movie. He does get a good bit with uh, Maria Bakalova's Cosmo, though, Mm -hmm. where he calls her a bad dog and she spends like most of the movie trying to get him to take it back, which I think is really funny. Yeah, a lot of characters... Don't get too much to do. Another stupid quibble that I have is after watching Avatar The Way of Water, all these painted faces makeup looks pretty bad, I think. <laughs> the Sovereign's gold paint and then the Orgo Corp employees, their pink faces, their pink skin. You know, you're just missing that subsurface scattering that, you know, <laughs> Avatar oh, The Way man. of Water. No, everything can be fucking Avatar. <laughs> It's very I like. I have to disagree with this one. Jim. It's very me too. It's very like '90s Star Trek or something. Like I'm into yeah, it, I and guess. not even yeah. in like a cheesy way. It doesn't look bad. I don't think it looks bad. I've been spoiled. I've been spoiled. I don't know. I think this aesthetic's been established in like the first two movies already. So like I think <laughs> yeah, through, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's fine. I mean, I actually have more of an issue with the CG creatures we get at the end with all the mismatch of robotic slash animal parts. That's where like some of the the CG being used heavily gets me, especially because there is that contrast of a lot of the animals on counter earth do look a little bit more practical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those look better than, you know, that warthog looking thing that reminds me of the warthog from like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was just going to say, a lot of these creature goons are like throwaway (laughs) TMNT. monsters or whatever you know yeah (laughs) bebop and rocksteady oh there you go thank you i was like i can't think of the names yeah i didn't think the cg on that looked that bad i think Mm -hmm. it's a big improvement over some other stuff that we got in like the other movies i mean if you compare it to like quantum mania yeah it's still like much better (laughs) cg that we're getting right out of that one so yeah i guess I think we talk about like all the side stories and the side. They're not side characters. You know, all the Guardians are mostly main characters nowadays. But our thing is they feel kind of like side characters, which I think 
is not what you want. For me, one payoff that does work that I think has been kind of established since, you know, the very first Guardians is the payoff we get for Drax's character. Yeah, I like Drax. Also, you know who I liked in this? Nebula. I like Karen Gillan's Nebula. Mm -hmm. Because I think the character's growth from, you know, being an actual villain in the first movie that she's in to now being, like, one of the more compassionate characters on this team is, like, quite good. I really like that characterization and the growth for that character. Yeah, and speaking of just those two characters, I do love, you know, one of the final lines, like, Kieran Gillen's like, you know, I see you, Drax. You're meant to be a father. And, like, that actually works for me because I know that definitely was his motivation, like, his character in, like, volume one, you know, trying to get revenge for his family, especially his daughter. So I thought that was a nice cap to the Drax character. Yeah, I really did like that. And, you know, to speak about Nebula again, I think her arc is, like, pretty earned and, like, they didn't do it by taking away her rough edges. She's still, like, the same character, and she's Mm -hmm. still kind of mean sometimes. You know, like, Tony Stark calls her the blue meanie. You know (laughs) what I mean? But, like, she's grown a lot. Yeah, I think pairing her with Drax at the end was great, and I think Drax earned a nice send-off here. Yeah. I like how she doesn't know how to talk to the kids, so she just yells at them. (laughs) Yeah. Karen Gillian's great. She plays that role so well, and... A lot of the comedy comes from it. I like. I know you see yeah. it in the trailer, but like that elevator bit, Star Lord's like, "Oh, I've never noticed the black of your eyes." Yeah, uh, and then she's like, "Well, they were replaced by my father," and you know, and she sells it. And- yeah, I think the humor in this movie is pretty good. I don't think anything reaches the heights of maybe some of the stuff in one and two. Yeah, but it's still quite funny. I think the best gag in two, in like this whole series, is the one in two where. Nebula's eating that whatever that fruit is, and fruit she's like, is, yeah. "It's not ripe." Which is so fucking funny. I always love that gag. I don't think anything really hits that level, but mm-hmm. still quite a funny movie. A lot of animal rights people are mad at this movie. Wait, why? That they show so much animal cruelty. They were not prepared of how many little animals get killed in this. I want to say, like, as a counterpoint to that, though, like. As most of these Marvel movies are, like, so manufactured now, there hasn't been a movie this empathetic or earnest in a very, very long time. Yeah. And I think the tragedy of Rocket's backstory is a big part of that. And I don't think the movie works without it. So it worked for you. It's not too saccharine, too treacly. No. Okay. I... At first, was kind of like, all right, they're trying to manipulate me. This is bullshit. They're doing, like, (laughs) cute animals being tortured. Like, it just, obviously, like, you feel it, but you also feel like you're being manipulated. But, damn it. The scene where they, like, are all choosing names and shit, I was like, oh, fuck, they got me. (laughs) They got me, yeah. (laughs) Because, like, you know, you know it's not going to end well for his little animal cyborg friends, right? absolutely. Like, that's clearly written stone from the very beginning. And I was just, like, trying not to buy into it, but as deep and over top of it is when they were choosing names, it, it fucking got me. I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, because I, I think in those moments, you don't see them as animals as much as you see them as, like, I saw them as characters, you know, like, as, like, yeah. 
in a weird way, like people, they have emotions, picking their names or like playing tag in the cages. All of that really works. It's cute stuff. It's cute. Yeah. And like the fact that, you know, we've already mentioned it, like Rocket is kind of sidelined in that way. Like he doesn't have much interaction with actually the rest of the Guardians for most of the movie. But that's like supplemented by all these flashbacks where we get to, you know, meet this other quote unquote team of animals that he grows a strong bond with and... This is all kind of paid off, all the kind of like hints, I guess, we've gotten, you know, in volume one and two of his past where he's like been tortured and like he feels he's a loner or he's like alone and like there's pain mm-hmm. that this character has felt. We've never explained it, but then now we kind of get to see what this character has internalized in the first two movies. It was a really great choice to have this last movie be like Rocket's movie. Yeah. And it helps that the animal names are so cute, too, because, like, the yeah. walrus, he's got these tusks. It's like, oh, my name is Teefs, you know? <laughs> and then uh, the little rabbit's like, oh, I'm lying on the floor, so my name is Floor, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, it's like, God damn it. <laughs> fucking yep. got me. Yep. Yeah. That was exactly what did Yeah. It's funny that we mentioned, like, James Gunn's changed over the years, especially with being in Marvel. Like, you can't maybe express yourself fully, but there's some kind of messed up things in this movie oh yeah for sure when rocket escapes he like mauls the high evolutionary's face mm-hmm. when he peels his face off and you see Dude, that like that is that was horrifying. like some rated r shit i'm yeah. surprised they got that yeah nasty mauled face in this movie it yeah. was gross one of the funniest moments i think in this movie is when you know they save all the kids they save all the humanoids in this prison but then you know rocket of course wants to go back and like save all the animals so when they save all the animals i think it's nebula or mantis like throws a monkey at somebody and that monkey just starts like scratching the crap out of someone's face and i thought that was so funny yeah well there's also this other little creature that becomes attached to like one of the ravagers and then the sovereign aisha and adam warlock they like disintegrate him or whatever they like yeah, turn him into a funny. fucking <laughs> smoking skeleton and the little creature just like my master you know like, it was so sad i thought that was really fucked up and like really part of like the james gunn humor that i really really mm, liked yeah. but then i like the i'm gonna take care of this thing and i'm gonna teach it to love <laughs> yeah, you, yeah which yeah. i thought it was really funny like a little kid who wants a pet right yeah. I've a little bit criticized the Gamora storyline. I mean, personally, like, I don't think I needed the closure of the team versus Gamora. I think the catharsis of she's okay not being a guardian and, like, just being a ravager and, like, Peter being okay with that. I don't know. Like, that's all just, I think, undercooked. Didn't really work for me. But one thing that really does work for me, there's a bit throughout the whole movie where anytime Groot says, I am Groot, she's like, yes, I know. Like, I know your name is Groot because she doesn't understand him. But then there's the point in the movie where at the end, he says, I am Groot. And like, you could see that she understands exactly what he says. And like, she communicates with him. And then there's the point where at the end of the movie, where, you know, we hear in Vin Diesel's voice, I love you guys, signifying that us as the audience is also now understanding Groot. Yeah, I like that too. I like that. I think that really, really worked for me. And I love that moment. Now we feel like we're part of this group, right? Like we're part of this family kind of makes up for Groot not having that much to do in this movie but I don't know the action in this movie is great too like great action sequences you know like we talked about Adam's opening sequence where he's assaulting nowhere I thought that was great a lot of good choreography there I love like Nebula's fucked up joints and stuff and how she uses it in combat I like that Mm -hmm. stuff a lot 
And then we got to talk about the oneer at the end of the movie because that was fucking yeah. great. Really showcasing the team working together. Yeah, I really like that sequence too. You know, I think a lot of movies, especially like action movies, superhero movies, they like doing single take shots just for the sake of a single take shot. But this one actually felt like it was earned. It felt like it had a place in the movie and they did it for a reason. It looked great. It looked mm-hmm. really, really good. I agree. So I wanted to ask you guys, and the funny thing is, Jeff, I think we talked about this a little bit offline, and we both thought Rocket was dead. Rocket was going to die in this movie. All right. I never actually thought that Rocket was going to die. I, oh, really? I, th- I, thought I was just so. I joking they were gonna about kill. it. Mm-hmm. But the whole marketing was seemingly like around killing Rocket. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. they're definitely not going to actually do it. <laughs> I thought they were just because, you know, if this was really going to be the last one, like, I guess in my head, I thought one of them was going to die. And then it seemed like all the marketing was pointing towards Rocket. So yeah. like, I was like, okay, I, I'm kind of bracing myself for Rocket to die. So kind of be then quite surprised that no one dies. Yeah. What do you guys think of the fact that the team all just survives and it's like a really happy story at the end of this? I mean, Rocket lives, but all his friends die. So uh... Uh, that's true. That's true. I think it's fine. I mean, Guardians isn't that kind of series. You don't need a death to like spice it up or hammer home like that there are consequences yeah. to war or something like. Yeah. It's not like, ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy is pulling his punches. Like, really? Like, that's what you wanted out of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's totally fine that they all made it. At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's going to be a kind of a sentimental saccharin, whereas it's hard on its sleeve kind of franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I think at this point, when series do, like, finales or do the last one, close out the story, people are expecting deaths. And I don't know, I feel like you don't really need to do that. Yeah. And like Amir said, I think... This isn't really that type of franchise. So I was okay with everyone living. Right. Like, I'm glad they killed John Wick. You know what I mean? Or did. No. <laughs> Back to that discussion. <laughs> right. That's a movie about the most prolific murderer of all time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it makes sense that, you know, the only way that this cycle of violence could end is in his death, right? Yeah. You know, the there's no redemption matters. or freedom for this man based on what he's done with his life, right? The Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of the day isn't like that. You know, it's it's not about that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think one of the most telling things I read after the fact for me was, you know, James Gunn, whenever he kind of talks about creation of Guardians, he always talks about it wanting to be like, not like Star Wars, but for people to feel like it's Star Wars, right? And I think, you know, if we think about Star Wars, it's a trilogy where, you know, there's a happy ending. Like everyone essentially lives and like the heroes win. And I kind of want to believe that maybe that was in the back of his mind, like that he was never going to actually kill any of these people, that they were all going to have this happy ending and each of them would have their own growths and a natural finality to this team. Yeah, I mean, I thought the ending for all the characters were pretty good. Just the fact that they have a little bit of finality to this movie, to this trilogy, gives it a leg up on a lot of the Marvel stuff that we've seen recently. Mm-hmm. You know, they give an opening, it was like, you know, the legendary Star-Lord will return at the post credit scene but i don't know if james gunn really had anything to do with that he gave us a mid credits where you know peter's reunited with his grandfather which i think is really really sweet a lot of like sweet moments in this where you know i think that goes back to what you said derek about james gunn wanting to make a feel-good trilogy where we get a happy ending you know mm-hmm. i think the endings are all fitting 
they feel a little rushed, like, because most of the Guardians get sidelined, there's no real arc for us to be like, oh, like, it totally makes sense that Mantis wants to go explore the universe by herself and separate from the group, and Quill wants to go find his grandfather, and, like, those things aren't really set up or lampshaded that much. Like, yes, mm -hmm. there's the conversation with Mantis encouraging Quill to do exactly that, sure. I mean, all those arcs are pretty truncated. Yeah. If you think they exist at all, they're certainly very truncated. But, like, the endings he does choose make sense. So, you know what? It, it's fine. I mean, I guess besides the tag at the post credit saying, like, legendary Star-Lord will return, I guess that speaks more to, like, Chris Pat maybe having conversations with Marvel and his character would come back. I mean, I think that I don't necessarily read that the same way for the mid-credits, though, right? When we see, like, the formation of this new team that's, like, led by Rocket and, you know, it's Craglin and Adam Warlock and his name's Alpha Groot is this other version of Groot. I don't know. I felt like that was just a, a nod to like, hey, this team is moving on and like it's still existing. But I don't know if this necessarily means like we're going to get another Guardians movie. No, right? that's what I got to. I don't think they're trying to tease the next thing. Nothing in this movie seemed like it was teasing the next thing, which I which is great, really right? appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, refreshing. There's nothing really in this movie that maybe like hindsight's 2020 later on, we'll figure out they somehow transplanted something. But Nothing feels like connected to the rest of this MCU, right? There's no feeling like there's some kind of cosmic MacGuffin that's going to tie in later, like, you know, the Power Stone did in the first one, right? Someone said uh, Chuck Woody Abuji is going to replace Jonathan Majors. He's just a Kang variant. <laughs> the other thing is, like, this is probably the last MCU thing that I was actually looking forward to. Anything in the near future, I'm just like, eh, not quite as excited for everything else. This does reinvigorate my excitement for the MCU for a little bit, you know, just because of how good it was. But on the other hand, like, James Gunn's leaving. He's going to DC. Yeah. I'm a little more excited to see what he does over there. I don't know. The stuff coming out doesn't excite me that much. The Marvel's only got, like, that single trailer out. I don't know. I'll reserve judgment until the movie actually comes out. The announcements of Captain America, Thunderbolt's Blade, we haven't seen anything. And now the writer's strike is going to delay everything too yeah and then like all the fantastic four fan casting and like the rumors it's just eh, maybe i'm a little burned out i don't know i think every marvel movie up to pretty much to date i've gone with my fiance and like she, you know she's always kind of been like yeah i'll, I'll go i want to watch these and then she this skipped is this like, one this is kind of the first one she's like i don't know i don't know if i need to like watch this right now and like it's guardians like she likes the first two guardians too and like even she was kind of like Maybe I'll just catch on Disney Plus or something, right? I think that's really telling that I think people are getting burned out by these movies. It's not required viewing anymore. Even The Last Guardians. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely telling. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer that's happening with this one, too, because it's good. Exactly, yeah. The fact that this is the one yeah. that she chose to skip is unfortunate because it's probably the best thing they've done in a while. Yeah, it just speaks to an overall fatigue with the entire MCU thing. Yeah. Do you think that's going to affect the DC, though? I guess the question is, is it superhero fatigue or is it MCU fatigue? Probably a bit of both. I think it hinges on Superman, the new Superman legacy movie that James mm -hmm. Gunn's writing and directing. I think people have been clamoring for another Superman movie. I know a lot of people want Henry Cavill back, but that's definitely not happening. So I'm curious to see what he does with the character. And like, Superman's a very hard character to get right. And I don't know, maybe he'll do it this time. Mm -hmm. I also got to ask... Which one's better? The two in recent release, you know, Wakanda Forever or Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Which one's better? I think I've already said it. I think Guardians of the Galaxy 
flying threes better. Yeah, uh, I think so. I had way more fun with this, and I think that suffers from feeling like they were trying to like shove in, you know, because they had the Iron Heart character. Yeah, exactly. The Julie Lewis Dreyfus character is in it, and it just feels they're like trying to tell this intimate story, but what also like eat your cake too, right? Yeah, uh, and like have like all these overarching MCU things starting to create those threads. Where this one doesn't do that. This one is yeah. really just about the Guardians. It's so rare to see that with these MCU movies. Yeah, I liked Wakanda Forever too, but I totally agree. Yeah, I'm on board with you guys as well. This is, for all its flaws, closer to capturing the magic of Guardians 1 than Black Panther 2 was to capturing the magic of Black Panther 1. I'm not even that excited for, like, the Disney Plus stuff coming out, either. I mean, Secret Invasion kind of looks neat, but... I'm sort of done with the Disney TV stuff. Like, I missed She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, and I haven't gone back, and I don't know if... I'm going to. Yeah, the next two I'm looking forward to. I think Secret Invasion being led by Nick Fury and like Samuel Jackson and like this whole scroll invasion does sound pretty interesting to me. I'm going to call it. They're going to flub it. They're going to fuck it up. <laughs> they might. They might. <laughs> I think it's too little too late for Secret Invasion. I think the big draw of Secret Invasion, at least in the comics, is that, you know, you have characters that have decade long histories and then you find out they've been like a scroll the whole time. That's fucking yeah. huge. But, like, no one's left anymore. I would actually care that there's a scroll. Who are they going to get? Maybe fucking Falcon, Captain America? I don't really care about that. Tony's gone. Steve is gone. Black Widow is gone. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. The drama of a secret scroll is not that enticing to me, you know, just because this has come so late. You know what I mean? Yeah, this feels like it would have been a proper setup for like one of the phases, right? Or one of the overarching movie yeah. stories, maybe. Like some of the stingers, we find out who's an actual scroll, right? You know what I mean? Like that could have been a way to like tie all these movies together. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I just feel like they're going to pull the punches. They're going to be like introducing some no-name suit characters or whatever. And then, and then it's like, oh, he was a scroll the whole time. It's like, I don't give a shit. You introduced this guy like three episodes ago, you know? Like, yeah. It's going to be something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'll eat my words. I hope I eat my words. Maybe it's good. Who knows? Yeah. I always like Samuel L. Jackson, so. But I'm, I'm just worried that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, sounds like we've all enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I highly recommend. If you've liked the first two, if you like these characters, this is definitely a worthy final movie in this trilogy for these characters so definitely go and check it out i highly recommend it especially if you haven't been feeling it for like you know multiverse of madness love and thunder quantum mania if you've been feeling kind of down about those movies i feel like this is a return to form i think this is a very very good looking movie i think this is one of the best looking marvel movies in maybe a decade it just looks so good has personality to it has color everything's well directed and produced it's a good movie it's a good yeah. Marvel movie. All right. Well, if that is it, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharpers.com where I reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me hanging out on Nowhere. What about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at The World's OKS Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get this show. Uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our show out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys later this week with Bo's Afraid. See you this week, everybody. See you guys then.